Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another great first 2018 edition of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your hosts, John Robb. Of course, I am back with my wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing well. Did I hear you did a show without me last month? What the hell? Okay. First of all, that was right on the edge of the thing. We don't have to talk about that live, but yes, it kind of came up and I did. I had Doug on and we talked about his book, A-List, and it was really good. And it was one of those things where I... Totally had it on the calendar, totally forgot it was there. We thought it was Dean Koontz. We got him at the last minute, and I was like, oh, shit. I don't want to call Jeff because he might not be available. So I was like, I'll just do this real quick. But, yes, that is true um, that I did do one without you on the day. But you were there. I forgive you. It's okay. We love you. We love you. Well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but that's how that kind of came. But you know what? Same music. I was thinking about changing music. I said, no, we're not going to change music because – I don't want to get rid of Harry Potter just yet. I kind of like him. So I wanted to kind of keep him there, um, even though it's not Harry it's Potter. It now. still sounds like it's Harry Potter. But we're kicking off 2018 with an outstanding uh, guest we've not had on the show before. I've never talked to on any of my shows before. It is author Rebecca Drake, and her book is out called Just Between Us. Um, and that's her latest book, which just dropped today. Uh, so if you're listening to the show, however, it's available right now. You can buy it on Amazon and however edition you want to get it. It's uh, it's on there right now. So you ready to roll? Anything Let's else? Do this because we got Star Wars, Star Trek coming after this. So we'll just alert everybody that when Rebecca's over, if you don't want to hear us geek out about Star Wars and Star Trek, then you can turn us off. But if you do, you got to listen because we got some really cool shit coming up about it. So you got to check that out. Um, anything else? Ready to roll? Let's talk to Rebecca. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So, again, um, her novel is called Just Between Us, just came out today. Uh, and so we want to welcome Rebecca Drake to our show. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, John and Jeff. And actually, John, this is the second time I've been on your show. So I was obviously an incredibly bitch. memorable guest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was looking back and I've done and I've done over five hundred shows and you're the you're you're like the fifth person that was like, No, I talked to you a couple of years ago and I'm like, Oh shit, I don't remember. <laughs> You didn't hang on every word. You don't read. I, I, I was like, I don't, you but me. you know what's funny? Because right. I was sitting there and I was like, when I saw your book and I saw and I started looking at the cover, and I said, wait a second. I go, only ever you looks very familiar. Have I talked about this <laughs> like, book before? Wait, wait. Do I, this, this sounds vaguely familiar. Do, do I, I know, know this like, woman? Shit. Probably I not. Know. It won't be the Probably first never. time I've disappointed we'll start a woman. Fresh. Yeah, let's just say that. Won't be the first time I've disappointed a woman in my lifetime. Won't be the last. Oh, and I guess it know, won't so. be the last, right. Probably not. Uh. Um, but let's, you know, let's get into to your book here. Um, you have a lot of emotional value and things that is going on in this book. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us what you got going on in there? Um. Okay, well, it's like a psychological thriller, and it's about um, four – female friends. I really wanted to do a book that explored um, female friendship and the way women talk to and about each other when they're friends. And um, it's a thriller, though, and fast-paced. And today, I'll, I'll put in a little plug for myself here, O, o Magazine, you know, Oprah's Magazine, called it Compulsively Readable. Give it a big shout-out. So that was really nice. Um, so it's about four friends who suspect that one of them is being abused by her husband. And they're um, obviously concerned, and she denies the abuse, and uh, things escalate, and they dread the phone call telling them that Heather, the woman they think is being abused, is um, dead. But when that call comes, it's not Heather who's dead. And that's all I'll say. Dun, 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 dun. So lots of twists. (laughs) It's a thriller. Uh (laughs) Readers seem, early readers seem to like it. Uh, I really like the characters. They're Alice and Julie, Sarah and Heather, and they're 
for friends and uh, suburban moms. And it's set in Swickley, PA, which is a uh, upscale suburban neighborhood outside of Pittsburgh where I live. And it's the sort of community, it's just, you know, this lovely little town and and, um, the sort of place that isn't ideal for many people, you know, where it's safe and kids can leave their bikes unlocked when they go to the library. And I'm just always intrigued by those setting crimes and those sort of places because it's um, it's a little more interesting to think about what goes on behind the closed doors of houses and nice communities like that. So that, and uh, I also really like the cemetery in Swickley. It's perched on top of a huge hill. It's amazing. Like it's practically switchbacks to get up to it. So um, I thought that was cool. So I wanted to set a book there. That sounds like the dead have a nice view of the area. That's cool. <laughs> they do. They do. It's pretty cool. They have that, some of the best real estate. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm not sure um, how they decided to put the cemetery up there, but, it, yeah, they have a really awesome view of the river. It's amazing. <laughs> well, so yeah. uh, I enjoyed this book immensely, and I wanted to no, ask thank you. you, and we're going we're gonna to try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible. Because, yeah, you know, we want part. our listeners to read this book. Spoilers. Right. Spoilers. Each each chapter has a particular character basically from their point of view, and you have it between the four women. And I'm wondering how, while you were writing this book, did you keep the voices of each character so distinct and organized, I guess, while you're writing this? Yeah, it was it, that was challenging. This is the first book that I've written. This is my fifth novel, published novel. I've got several in a drawer, like most authors. Um, it's um, the first one that I've written in first person, and and I thought, oh, this should be easy. Everyone always says that it's easier to feel, you know, intimate with your characters in first person. And in fact, no, gosh, it was very tough, and tough because, of course, I chose four first-person POVs, and um, that was very challenging. And um, I tried, um, especially in the rewriting phase, you know, I'd go back through it and um, try to think, like, is is this not just how a character says something, but what they would say, you know, making their personalities very distinct. I mean, of course they're distinct to me, but that's the challenge. And um, I did a lot in rewriting a lot of moving dialogue around where I realized that's really not something, you know, Julie would say, that's something that Sarah would say and, and things like that. And then also just trying to enhance, trying to cut down the things that I think we all do naturally as writers, which is, you know, you're, I'm the person writing it. I have a voca- my own vocabulary, right? So you unconsciously, you're always, things are always slipping in repeatedly. And so I tried to go through and search to make sure that I wasn't, that the characters didn't sound the same and um, that they were distinct. And, and, but also I wanted there to be a certain similarity because we share, you know, just like couples do, friends also do that. You know, you start to share similar patterns in your conversation because you're close friends. So I was uh, trying to strike that balance was sort of tough, and I, I hope I achieved it. I mean, you read it. I hope you were able to tell the characters apart. We also did something that I thought I, I suggested to the editors, and they really liked the idea too, and I was glad they ran with it, which was to um, put the, each character's names as a header in their chapters so that they it's on every page during their chapters so that in case people got confused, readers got confused, they could remember since it's four women, you know, that they could um, tell them apart that way. Um, you know, but I certainly hope that I was able to do that within the story. I certainly tried hard to do that. I, I thought you did. And I thought that was a nice touch that uh, the publisher did by doing exactly what you said, by keeping the person's name at the top of each page. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was just, you know, anything that, because people can get confused. I do that often when I'm reading books, too. You're thinking, wait a second, in multiple point of view. I stories, never get you know, confused think, with people. <laughs> I know people love it. <laughs> you never forget. For people like me that can't remember who the hell right. speaking or who the hell you just spoken to, obviously. So that's for the dumb people like me that need to know. <laughs> But I got a question. I mean, so which one of the four, um, when you Mm -hmm. were writing and doing in the first person, which one gave you the most attitude or the most problems to kind of, you know, get them the way that you wanted them, I guess you want to say? 
Hmm, that's a really interesting question. Um, hmm. Well, Allison is really probably the main character. There are more scenes from her point of view. Um, but I'm, I think the most tricky character, and trying not to do any spoilers and stuff, was Heather. Um, she's the one being abused by her husband because she has a more complicated story. And um, probably, again, you know, I think the challenge when you're writing a thriller is that there's it's and is pace is so much a part of the process, right? And so often it's about um, not just what you reveal, but when you reveal it. And so that's that's always the challenge. And so in writing, it wasn't so much any particular person's or character's personality as much as it was okay. How much how much do I want readers to know at this point? How much should the character be saying at this point? And so that. Um, that can be challenging, you know, with all the women that was challenging at different points because they all have secrets and they're things that are revealed as the book goes on. But I always, I always like all of my characters. <laughs> even, even wait, wait, wait. The a antagonist. woman having a secret? Come on, Rebecca, yeah. that's not believable. <laughs> oh, come on. Men have secrets too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah we do. But uh, typically with us, it is like little Bo Peep kind of dressing up things that we don't like to talk about. Well, maybe we'll you dressing up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's just that's sure just a mental picture you're gonna have to put tomorrow. in your head now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a scary well, thought. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of I, I'm curious because um, there sort sort of seems to be a surge in women-led suburban fiction, and you know, uh, the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm curious, um, and I, I'm not saying I, I don't necessarily like that or I do like that, but why? I, I, how did you, knowing that all these things are there, sort of try and keep this distinct from that and also deal with plot twists? Um, distinct from – I'm not sure what you mean by that. Distinct from uh, – just sort of um, the suburban fiction in general, since there seems to be... Oh, I'm saying to differentiate it in some way? Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, you know... I I I didn't get much sleep last night, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah, me either. We're all going to (laughs) be tripping over our tongues here. Um, hmm. Yeah, I guess I try when I'm writing not to think about that when I'm drafting. Typically, I think about that on the rewrite sometimes. Um, I didn't really think about I thought that the story had a hook that was interesting and I think it asks compelling questions that, you know, intrigued me. And I thought that they would intrigue other people, which are namely like basically how far would you go to help a friend? And also um, how much can we really ever know about what goes on in another person's marriage, you know? And um, so I stayed focused on that and just the story that these women had to tell and, um, hope that it was distinct. I think it's really tough in writing when you think, oh, you know, oh, I'm worried my book is too similar to another book. You know, I think it's good to try to be distinct, but at the same time, books like these appeal to people, and right now psychological thrillers, you know, are particularly popular, so it's not a bad thing that it has some similarities right. with other books. And you hope that you don't, like I, this book has been compared multiple times now to um, Big Little Lies, you know, because the show was on and um, Leanne Moriarty. And, of course, I'm very flattered by that. I love her writing. But it's, um, you know, but I think it's distinct from that. You know, I have a different different style. But I honestly don't worry about that too much. I just worry about what I'm always concerned about is does the suspense work? You know, do the twists work? And I put my focus, a lot of focus on that, on pace and, and the twists and, like, work on tweaking that. And it just, and overall, just to be entertaining, like um, I tell, I teach in Seton Hill University's Writing Popular Fiction MFA program, and actually I'm speaking to you from a hotel room because we're in residency twice a year in January and June, and so I was talking with students about it um, for the last several days in the workshops that I lead um, about the need to entertain, and in the, the digital age, um, people have more limited attention spans and how um, – you really need to get so much on every page and you really need to start from the get go and um, 
keep strong, you know, keep it strong to keep readers turning the pages. And so I, I take that very seriously. And the biggest compliment is when um, readers tell you that they couldn't stop turning the pages or that it, it was um, something they couldn't put down or they stayed up all night to finish the book. You know, that's, that's a great feeling. And it's something that I worked hard to achieve. So I'm always glad when it works. But it's also the thing, it's really tough to tell if the suspense is working. That's probably the hardest thing. I always say that, yeah, I, I really can't tell if the twists are working because, of course, I know the outcome, you know, so the suspense is over for me. So it's not, you know, so that's really tough. That's the hardest thing to tell if it's working well. And that's, um, and because it is a thriller, that's where I put lots of focus. Well, with such strong characters that you create in this book, it works. It really does. So I just wanted to let you know that it oh, does thank work. thank you. Oh, that's great. No. Thank you. I'm glad. Yeah, I love the characters, and that's why I could hang out with them all the time. So sometimes I think it's also tough, and I'm sure I'm, I know I'm not alone among authors um, and always that, you know, what's that bad expression, like always having to murder your darlings that you have to cut so much, you know, you'd love to spend more time with them and have more conversation with them, but you have to call the story all the time. So now the one thing that you haven't done so far in your writing, this is what your sixth book is it your sixth or your fifth, this is your sixth, fifth. your sixth, fifth. That's right. Fifth. Um, your fifth. <laughs> yeah. Fifth. So, but the one thing that you haven't done we'll yet is... We'll talk about my so, sixth when I come back, and it'll be the first time I'll have been on the show. <laughs> no, the one thing is, as I thought, yeah, that's true. Hey, you're sixth, welcome to the show. No, you know what it is, is that I saw that the German edition, and I counted it as a six instead of five, and that was my mistake. That's why I caught myself. Um, I didn't know you read but, German. I'm so impressed. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, the last name's Rob, middle name's Otto. I don't get much German than that, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like, I'm like right there. Uh, but the one thing that you haven't done so far in your five novels is that they, they've been all standalones, and you haven't dived into the series yeah. part yet. Is that something that you've considered doing? And if, And let's just say if you have – is there one of these four characters, it could be Allison, that you decide, you know what, maybe you want to extend further and maybe not have like a continuing series, hmm. but maybe like two or three books with maybe one of these characters to explore further. Is that something that you've considered? I've considered, definitely considered a series, and I have an idea for a series set in Pittsburgh, but I just haven't had the time to pursue that yet. I, I hadn't thought about doing, you know, a series with any of the women from these this book and I'm not sure don't know I mean as much as I like all of them in some ways I feel like I told that story you know and so I don't mm -hmm. it doesn't I don't see one right away but I could definitely I could definitely see the advantages of doing a series you know I know many authors who of course have very successful series and the one the biggest advantage of doing a series is of course that you've already created the world, right? You've created the world and the people. And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So ostensibly you should be able to produce a book more quickly um, doing that. And um, that appeals to me, of course. Uh, but the downside of doing a series is that, um, you know, if it's successful, I mean, we should all have such problems, right? If it's successful, then, I've heard from authors too that they get tired of it, right? Like they, you yeah. don't want to be pigeonholed into doing that series. And so I, because the appeal of doing standalones is, you know, you get to explore new ideas and I like that, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, and that's one thing and, and I can understand, and I can definitely understand it. That's why I thought maybe if you weren't thinking of like an ongoing, but maybe like a two or three book kind of short thing that you knew it had an ending um, you know, you've seen some authors kind of do that, maybe not like like write long yeah, series really that are ongoing and continue, mm -hmm. but it's like, hey, you know what, but I'm going to do a three-book deal with this, and you know <laughs> it's going to be a three-book deal. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's, yeah. those are interesting ideas. Yeah, I like those. Um, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, like trilogies and things like that where sure. it's kind of contained, yeah. a short contained thing. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, but you've given me an idea. That's a, that's yeah. Yeah, a cool thing to think see. about. Yeah, because sometimes you kind of see those stories and you kind of, you know, wish that there was something else that was going to continue on and it doesn't. But maybe you have like 1,500 pages and you just break it up into four books, but it's still <laughs> one gigantic story. You know what I mean? Maybe you just kind of have that going right. on. I, I, you never know. 
You never know. No, I, you don't. You often, sure like, you get to the bar that. and drink, shit just comes out, and you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. We just sit down, and it just flows and pours out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, well, I'm I'm just surprised. I just got an email from uh, you, John, that says we should have Rebecca Drake on the show. I'm kind of confused. But uh, <laughs> Oh, that's right. She wrote this really cool freaking book just came out today called yeah. Just Between Us. <laughs> Seriously, but let's though, just leave that between um, us. <laughs> Seriously, I'm wondering because I, I, I've enjoyed only ever you and just between us. I've enjoyed both those books immensely. I'm curious, how would you define evil? Oh, that's an interesting question. Hmm. Well, it's complex, right? I think we never go easy on types of on evil. Shows, yeah, right. We're we're elevating. We're, we want our audience to stay here. Let's see. Wow. Um, hmm. I think it's. I I think that the um there's not one single definition, right? I but I I do think um I do believe in evil. You know, I I think it it became popular in I don't know, the last 50 years in, in post um popular psychology to shoot shoot um sorry, I'm speaking poorly here, to shy away from words like evil because people see them as, as a moral judgment and that was somehow seen as something that's um, bad, that people make choices, but they're not necessarily evil. And I honestly really disagree with that. I don't know if you remember that. Remember M. Scott Peck? I'm not sure if he's still alive. He wrote that classic popular psychology book, The Road Less Traveled, which was this huge, huge success back in, what was that, the late 70s, early 80s. And then he book, followed yeah. it up with... Yeah, and he followed it up with this really interesting book called The People of the Lie, which was about evil and um, whether, you know, the examination of evil in the world. And this book, um, I think it still probably sold fairly well, but a lot of people really disliked it because they thought, again, it was, you know, judgy that you can't say that there's evil. And I read that book and really liked that book. And um I disagree. I think there really is evil in the world. I think we choose it. You know, I don't sit there. I'm not a person who writes. I don't write the paranormal and I uh, about the paranormal, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about heaven and hell beyond the fact that I think that we create often our own heaven and hell. You know, I don't. I think we cast ourselves into hell, and I think we choose. And people do definitely make um, choices that that. Um, start you on a path toward other choices that end up being evil, right? I don't think, I, um, I don't know, I'm probably going very far afield from your question and not answering it clearly, but I think that I define evil as the the antithesis of kindness and compassion. You know, I liked the title of his book, and I would say that that's a great description of it, the people of the lie, you know, he told this amazing story in that book about um, one of his patients who had been referred to him. He was a suicidal young man, okay, who was like picking at his skin, had sores, if I'm remembering this correctly. It's been years since I read it. But the And this young man's um, older brother had committed suicide um, within the last year before he started seeing him. And so he was depressed and had these problems, and he was unresponsive, an unresponsive patient. And so finally, M. Scott Peck asked him a question, you know, trying to goad him into a conversation. And it was around the holidays, I guess he was seeing him post-Christmas, and he asked what the parents, his parents had given the boy as his, for his Christmas gift, and they gave him a gun. The, the boy suddenly responded and said that they'd given him a gun while the kid's older brother had shot himself with a gun. And then in the course of the conversation, it came out that the parents had given him the shotgun that the brother had killed himself with. They'd like cleaned up the gun and gave it to their younger son. So he had the parents in to talk to them and they protested, you know, what was he talking about? It was a perfectly great gun. They didn't want it to go to waste. <laughs> and, he defines this in his book as a certain type of evil that these parents were evil and they promptly took their son out of therapy and he didn't hear from them again, you know? Um, and so I would certainly agree with that definition, you know, and I think there are different types of evil, right? There's the, there, you know, there's a, um, a spectrum just like there is in everything. Right. 
and and I'm always fascinated less by just saying, oh, this is evil and that's evil than in the choices that we make every single day, right? And that the choices we make, um, I'm always fascinated by the fact that the small choices lead to other bigger choices, right? At what point, I'm interested in ordinary people and how ordinary people sometimes, you know, they can become incredibly great and heroic, you know, and in other ways there are very, you know, they can also turn the other way. Like currently I'm really fascinated by, he's not been in the news as much lately, but in Syria, Bashar al-Assad, you know, the uh, president of Syria and his, um, the fact that, I don't know if you know this, but he wasn't, you probably do, that he wasn't initially, he wasn't not the heir to the throne. His older brother was. Okay, I'm sorry, he's not the president, he's the king of Jordan. Okay, he was, yeah. no, Syria, Syria. You can tell how little Syria. I've had him. So sorry, Syria, right. So he was not, he he was not the heir. His older brother was, and then his older brother died in a plane crash or something. And then, but he studied, he was an ophthalmologist in London, Okay, for years. And I find it really interesting. He studied ophthalmology, you know, <laughs> that's the eyes. And and there's something so uh, interesting and ironic about that. that. This guy who made a study of, you know, the eyes and sight um, is so blind to the suffering of the people in his country and to the great evil he's done, right? He's become a mass murderer. And I find that fascinating. And that's it's that's the sort of stuff that, that I find interesting. And obviously he's not an ordinary person, but I'm on a very small scale. I'm interested in um, people like that and the way that we compartmentalize. I mean, we all do that, right? We all justify our little transgressions. Um, it's when they become bigger and bigger transgressions that it gets tricky. Right. And I think it's interesting the the things we tell ourselves and that's, I'm interested in that. That was a fantastic nice. answer, by the way. Yeah, that was good. I was just yeah. sitting here, just literally. I was just just taking in and just listening to it. That was that was wonderful. And is that kind of the qualities and the things that you want to look for in a villain to when you're writing a book? Just because it is that interesting to kind of explore a person in that way and to kind of see what makes them do what they do and why they do what they do. No matter what yes, the reasoning absolutely. is, it, it makes sense to yeah. them, but might not make sense to anybody else. Yes, absolutely. I think that's why I was always sort of drawn to crime fiction. I think I'm really interested in that why. You know, when I was a very young kid, the, the Vietnam War was raging, and I one of the things I remember very vividly was seeing that classic, I think it was on Life magazine, the classic cover photo of the, the little girl who'd been napalmed and those kids who'd been napalmed running and she's naked, you know, running along the road. And I remember being very disturbed by that. I think I was like about six or something when that came out and, you know, saw it in our house or something. And I remember asking my father, like, why isn't, because there's soldiers, American soldiers walking along the road in that photo too. And, and asking my father, why isn't the soldier helping the little girl? You know, why isn't he helping her? And being very disturbed by that. And I, I think I've always been always ask that question why and I think that fiction is a way to explore the why though you never really get that answer right you we don't get the answers there is often there is really no why but at least I think what crime fiction offers is that catharsis you know there are so many because you even if you don't get a happy ending you get a resolution you know you get answers to questions and often in real life you really don't get answers to those questions a lot of crimes go unsolved um, there isn't always justice in the world, and often in crime fiction you get that justice, or you at least get to explore it more and understand more. And so, yeah, I, I think I was always, I've always just been interested in exploring that and exploring why people do the things they do. And I was always interested in abnormal psychology and people who behave uh, badly. So, um, which is perhaps perverse, but I was always drawn to it. Well, I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at the time, and I'm like, holy shit, it's already at the end. And I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to also let everybody know, like, what's the best place for them to, you know, find out about your work and your upcoming stuff? Because, you know, I'm sure that you're already working on your next book and doing all that. So where's the best place for them to find your social media and all your stuff? 
Yeah, they can find me on Facebook and Twitter, and they can also find me on, and they can connect through my website at RebeccaDrake.com. That's probably the easiest place. And then they can also order the books from there, too, and see what's coming up. And I'm any day now starting a blog on my website, too. So I'll be keeping in better touch with people that way as well, and they can sign up for the newsletter. So it's just RebeccaDrake.com. Beautiful. Well, this has been fascinating, Rebecca, for the first time. This has been great. You should come back on again. <laughs> it was. Yeah, <laughs> next time it will be even more so. We'll just keep perfecting it like Groundhog Day. It will be. It will be. But now, but just, I just one more, so just, just one more kind of question. So is this kind of the, the, the genre that you think you're going to stick in? You're going to stick in this more psychological kind of stuff? You're going to explore this more? Or are you going to challenge um, yourself in some kind of, kind of way? Or what? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm going to be working on two books now. The other is another psychological thriller, which I'm really excited about. And um, I'm also working on a historical. So, yeah, I think of that, oh. which is a challenge. Yeah, I thought at first I kept trying to shoehorn it into being a thriller, and then I realized at a certain point this isn't a thriller at all. You know, this is a historical slash mainstream novel, you know, starts in the present, goes back to the past. And um, so can't say more yet, but I'm I'm excited about both of those books so nice well i look forward to reading it'll be awesome thank you well again we want to thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and congratulations on the book that just dropped today just between us um everybody can go out and get it it's available now amazon boom buy it done (laughs) one click it you got it right in your book so that's the way you got to do it oh thanks so much thanks for having me on guys no problem. Thank you you have a great night it. and enjoy and have fun in um, Pittsburgh. Thank you. Yeah, where are you guys? Are you both in Seattle or where are you? I'm in L.A. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Not. I know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. <laughs> hey, it's a struggle. All that sunshine. I was going to say the weather, but every time I say the weather, Jeff's is always shittier than mine. But today right. we were 54 and raining. Oh, the um, horror. Okay. Oh, the See, I knew he so, was so going to say something about it, but still. We were a balmy like 35 today. We've, we've been in like the single digit. So, hey. Hey, I grew up in I'm Columbus, not... Ohio, and I lived in Minnesota, so I feel you. But <laughs> there's a reason why I no longer live in Minnesota and Ohio. <laughs> so just to let you know. <laughs> right. I know. Exactly. I know. Why do why do right. we stay? Right. Exactly. Well, it was great talking All with right. you guys. Thanks so much. Absolutely. You have a great one. We'll talk with you soon. Take you care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So again, everybody, that is author Rebecca Drake, and her latest book is called Just Between Us. Uh, make sure you go out and get it now. Wherever books are sold, you can go find it. Uh, it's available right now. And that was a fascinating conversation. That was great. It was great yeah, to have Yeah, and it's on. a terrific book. I highly recommend people pick it up. Yeah, and, you know, that was your call, man. That was a good call. We're going to – Oh, um, she's wonderful. Become, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was a great conversation. So now, though, we got a couple other things we're going to talk about here. Um December 15th was a pretty big day for uh, for Star Wars fans, and then Discovery is still going real strong here on CBS. Let's, you know, how's Discovery going? I haven't picked it up yet. I haven't got the CBS All Access because, quite frankly, I looked at some of their shows, and I'm like, you know, really besides, like, Perry Mason and a couple others, there's, like, a lot of shows on there that I really don't give a crap about. And so I'm like, God, do I want to spend the 15 bucks to have another, you know, all-access place to watch shows or whatnot? But how's Discovery? Well, I would say that uh, the first episode Uh-oh. was not good, and okay. the second episode was eh. But from the third episode on, it's been getting better and better with every episode. And now it actually okay. is quite good and entertaining. Really? So, Yeah. I really highly recommend it, and it's so much fun talking to people about various theories about the show and what they're doing with it. And the the way it's structured is sort of, if you think it's like a novel, and each episode is a chapter in that novel. And I know that they would not have been able to do what they're doing on a network channel. I totally understand really? why they 
decide to go this route. And also, uh, because it's on CBS All Access, they can control it. I well, totally and, get they, that. and they don't have to do as much censorship, right? Because you have to pay for it. They dropped the f bomb on there. They've had Klingon nudity on the show. Wait a second. Yes. What's what's di- what's different about a, na- a naked Klingon than a naked human? Um, well, uh, you'd have to watch to find out. But <laughs> it, uh, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely not designed for kids and there's a lot of themes that they're dealing with that are quite interesting. It's a great science fiction show. It's a great thriller also. And well, if you I'm remember, enjoying it immensely. In the words of John Cusack from Sixteen Candles, how how can you tell if it's a female extraterrestrial? <laughs> it's got tits. <laughs> well what makes them difference in regular tits? They got forks. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that from 60 Candles when it was John Cusack and his friend after Anthony Michael Hall came up after the party and he was like, female extraterrestrial? What makes them different? What makes them female? They got tits. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's yeah, just say I that mean, you were correct. Um, <laughs> okay, then I'm in. So I got that. So I know the females from the males. That's, that's, a, that's also a very important thing. Yes. Um, so the, the show came back after a two-month hiatus. This last Sunday, and why is it going on in I wonder. Direction. I mean, it's not. I mean, you would think that that they would want to make it more like a bingeable watch thing, right? They're releasing an episode a week. I <clears throat> okay. I think they're doing that for several reasons. One of them is it really generates conversation by doing it this way. Two, it keeps people from just. Um, Buying a subscription, binge watching the whole show, and then uh, canceling the subscription. So, True. Well, I, I don't mind. That. I don't mind doing them every week. I get that. But why they take two months off? Why they get people excited and then they just kind of leave you sitting there? Well, I have a feeling that uh, they, considering how effects heavy the show is, I have a feeling that it takes a long time to get the effects down correctly. And oh, so I think okay. that. Um, I, I can see why they took two months off. I gotcha. Um, yeah. I'm waiting to see how they do, how Amazon does the Jack Ryan series. Of course, you know, that's the Tom Clancy, and they're doing a Jack Ryan series. And then, of course, they also announced that they're going to start doing a Lord of the Rings series, trying to do, like, their Game of Thrones or whatever. Not sure how, what part of the Lord of the Rings they're going to do. I think we talked about this before, that hopefully it's going to be, a prequel go back instead of, you know, trying to do anything. You can't really go forward because there's not really any basis or stories for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'll be curious as well. And Jack Ryan will be interesting, I think. Uh, They've got some great people working on it. And the guy from The Office is Jack Ryan, and that's kind of intriguing to me. Uh, Yeah, and it's just coming 2018, but it doesn't have – I don't know when it's supposed to be there. They haven't given an official date yet. Um, I know. And then uh, they also announced that CBS All Access is going to bring back the Twilight Zone. And I cannot wait. Oh, like wait. every Twilight Zone, huh? Well, no, uh, like new episodes, a new series. Oh, a brand new series? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I, you know, let them go the Black Mirror out. You know, Netflix is yeah. going be interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always was wondering, you know, why they don't do maybe uh, – because, you know, Twilight Zone was good. But, you know, the other one that was kind of in that same vein around that same time was the Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And he had some really cool stuff that I know I think you can watch on Hulu. That There were some really great episodes of that show too. Yeah, that was some yeah. really good stuff too. So, you know, I I, I like when they bring Twilight back Twilight Zone was my inspiration. Thing. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I like when they bring back the old things, and uh, you know, as long as they do it right. I mean, heck, I was watching um, I, on Hulu. I kind of try to find something, and I didn't even know this was out. Was Ed O'Neill played Dragnet? I had no idea about that. It was it was only like twenty two episodes. I don't think it did much, but he played Dragnet, and he actually did a really good job of it. It was a really fun show. Forgotten um, about that? Wow! Yeah. Yeah. And I watched all 23, and he he did a really good job of playing Dragnet. And um, Ethan Embry was in it, and he was only in it like for the first season, and then they kind of 
uh, even Lagorio was in it, uh, like the second season. But yeah, I mean, those kinds of shows, you know, you can you can remake them and kind of do them well because it's it's more about the story and stop trying to make you know like the character. And you know, Ed O'Neill, like I said, played a really good. I thought he played a really good Dragnet. Um, but yeah, if you ever have a chance to watch, I, I suggest you know just go check it out because it's just really good. Right. It was just funny. And it was only like 23 episodes, yeah. and there and and there were some there were some really good ones in there. I tried watching the old Dragnet today just for fun, and the very first episode was called the LSD story, and what they did to try to show somebody on LSD was so funny, and the guy the the kid was like a younger kid. I don't know, he was like 17, 18 probably, and he and he painted his face half blue, half uh, gold. And the cops were like, you know, Dragnet was like, well, look what it does to him. He, does he paint his face normally? And the dad comes out and he goes, he's a really good kid. It's not like he takes heroin or smokes marijuana or anything stupid like that. And I'm like, no, 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 he just takes acid. But marijuana, yeah, that, he's fucked if he takes that one. <laughs> it was just funny to see how in 1967 how they treated the drugs back then. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, some was, shows don't funny. date very well, do they? No, they don't. But you know uh, what does date well? Oh, I know do where you know, this is going. Do you know what dates well? Because there was a lot of flack, and we haven't talked about it yet, so let's talk about it. What did you think of The Last okay. Jedi? And then I'll tell you what I think about it. I saw it at a screening prior to its opening, so I saw it Thursday night with a huge crowd of diehard fans. And the crowd was really into it, and I was into it as well. And i got to say, watching it then, I was entertained and I had a fun time. But the more I stepped away from it, the more I disliked it. Okay, and what did you dislike? And I have to say, everybody, everybody I've talked to who's seen it more than once liked it the first time and disliked it the second time and beyond. And uh, because the plot holes become more glaring and some of the other issues around certain characters and the situations become very obvious. And Uh it just, it just, I would say I enjoyed it, um, but I didn't love it. And I'm afraid to go back and watch it again. Because I think I will really not like it. Well, I will say I thought that I liked the movie. I thought it was really good. I have two. I had two problems with it. Okay. Um, and my and this is my two problems. The one problem I had was why and you know what? And, and and if anybody hasn't seen the movie, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have spoilers in this one because I can't talk about it without having spoilers. I was trying to avoid but, spoilers, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, tough shit. You're going to say it. You're going to have support. It's been out long enough. And if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't seen it, then you're not a Star Wars fan, so tough, so tough shit. Um, and you probably have already read about the spoilers and everything anyway. So my number one problem was, was that, and I know why he did it this way. I know why he kind of did it this way, and it's fine. But what was really then the point of Snoke, if you're going to kill him that way and not really – dive into who or what he is and how he became what he was after the emperor, when it looks like this is about 20 some 30 some years, it's about what, 34, 35 years into the future, right? Something like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like Leia and Han had a kid like right after, you know, um, return of the Jedi and then all yeah, the they, they didn't make they didn't make a baby when they were uh, with the Ewoks, right? Dude, I don't even want to think about what they did with the Ewoks. But <laughs> but, but I mean, let's so I mean, you know, they don't really say how old Kylo Ren is, but he looks like you know he could be in his late twenties or his early thirties. So I'm just gonna say thirty years. Cause I and if I you know if someone wants to email me and give me the exact time because I might have missed it, that's fine. Um, but so thirty years into the future and. So where did he come from, and how did he grow into what he was in 30 years and be able to, you know, get Kylo onto the dark side, and, you know, was he a Sith or what? They didn't explain that. that. I had a problem with that part. 
But, okay, you did what you did, and you wanted to make it more about Kylo going forward and just try to make him, you know, the, you know he, he's trying to – the only thing that he did a little bit, I think, was he's trying to push Kylo into being a little too Darth Vader. Like, he's trying to make him even more ruthless than Vader. And Vader never had to – and I guess the great thing about Vader was – it's just who he was, and he wasn't forced as a character to be evil. It was just who he was. Um, and then, of course, the stupid scene, the dumbest scene, probably in almost, you could really almost say all, what, eight of the movies now, had, it did have a really dumb scene, was fucking Leia. Sucking her back oh, ass God, out that was in so space. atrocious. That that one oh. I don't understand how it got by beta watchers and all the people around to say, dude, you can't do that because that's just stupid looking. Yeah. So um, those are the only two problems I really had with it. Otherwise, oh, I thought it was great. No, 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 no. <laughs> what else did you have? Well, I was going to say you have a vessel shooting at the rebels. And instead of destroying the ship, they follow it for hours just shooting at the back of it. Seriously. Okay. That's and what now, they do. And you okay. know what? That's dumb. And I, underst- and I understand that. But here's the thing that I th- – but here's the thing how I get past that is because you know what I didn't want? I didn't want another fucking Death Star to blow up. Well, They've already done true. it three times. I yeah. did not um, want okay. that. Okay. The character of Poe is idiotic, to say the least. He is annoying, he is a traitor, and he is a traitor? not a very nice guy. Yeah. I, I mean, how do you get about traitor this. from him? He went behind the leader's back in order to stage this coup... And right. all he had to do was say, well, you clearly don't have a plan, or just say, what is your plan, and they would have solved everything. Instead of this whole jaunt through the casino and that whole subplot, which ends up being just uh, adding to the runtime. There's really no rhyme or purpose why that was in there. I, okay, good. I disagree with you. I disagree with you 100% oh, on right. this one. Yeah, okay. and, I, and I'll tell you why I disagree. And you know, everybody, all these Star Wars fans, people that are devout and whatnot, are so hard to try to get rid of Luke, Leia, and Han. All right? They came to grips that there's no Vader because he had to die because the villain eventually has to die. But to not have a Luke, Han, or a Leia anymore, it's really blowing their world up, and now they don't have any of them. So they, the writers are trying to give the fans, you know, another trying to give him like another Han and you know and they're trying to with kind of Poe to give him the Han which is he's the rebel and he's going to kind of not listen to authority kind of do what he wants to do and not really say you know what if I see something that's wrong I'm going to do it anyway and he kind of goes on his own and that's what Han kind of did you know it was you know who's crazy enough to do this mission? You know, and somebody. Oh. What was the? Oh, was it? Was it Empire or was it? Retu- it was Return, where they go. Oh God, who's dumb enough to do that? And then the guy goes, "Is your team ready, General Solo?" And he goes, "My team is ready." And it's like, well, of course, fucking General Solo Han's going to do it because he's the crazy one. So that's right. what I think that they were. I think that they have because they're trying. You they know, tried they're, they're to trying do it. To and I think they forward. failed. I, I don't think, they think were that trying they did very so hard. To make I think you got to give the guy a chance. I think you got to give him a chance. I, I think I don't think he's been. I don't think he's quite defined yet. I think these, they're still trying to define all these roles because they're trying to transition all these characters into the new characters to finally get away from Leia and Luke, who this movie was trying to get away from them. I think a little more and push a little more. You know, Kylo and the girl. What's oh, damn? What um, and you know, Ray. You know, and trying yeah. to do Poe and Finn, and then you got BB-8 in place of you know R2D2, and there's no more like C3PO, and so they're trying to bring all these characters, and there's really like no Jedi to speak of, um, you know, there's none of that. I'm, so I'm okay. it's a really hard I'm okay transition, with that. I think. 
I'm totally okay with that, but I thought Poe was an interesting character in Force Awakens, and I was really looking forward to him doing some really cool stuff, and I felt like he just came across as this horrible, horrible person. And, well, and here's I thought, the thing. you know, they're trying to force him to be a home solo, and it didn't work. But And here's what I kind of say I liked when people, in the you know, first movie. He's like, I what? don't like him now. Oh. Um, but here's kind of the one yeah, thing, so, too, is, you know what? And maybe not everybody acts the way that we kind of want them to, because life isn't always fair, and not everybody, some people disappoint you. In life, there are some people that disappoint you. And maybe he's just one of those guys that, you know, you get disappointed with. But I think that he will have his redemption in some way. I, I just think that he, I hope I so. think he's too infancy. I think you just got to give him a little chance. Um, I, I thought think the writing whoever, was the problem, not the character. Well, I think whoever – who Star Wars right now is at a conundrum where you have half the people that fucking hate Disney, and they don't care what they do. They're going to complain about it. They don't care. Right, it's right. a Disney movie. They don't care. But you know what they're doing? They're going to see the movie two and three times, and they're giving Disney the money because it made $475 million the first weekend. So it can't be all that bad. It's just breaking records left and right. But the other thing is that you know, whoever writes it, they're going to be bitchy at them because – People, it's like they want to see it go a certain way. And I'm like, but how much fun is that? If you already have an expectation of what you think these characters to do or how should Luke die or how should Luke act or how should it be, then is it any fun if they do act that way? Are you surprised? Are you entertained? Or is it like, oh, good, that's the way I thought it should go, so I like the movie? Well, guess what? Life doesn't always go your fucking way. Well, let me say that... um that's true, but as long as I'm entertained and I think the writing is good and the acting is good, I don't care. Um, I would say that... I thought it was better than Return of the, the Jedi, and I'll still stick behind that. I I like I like Luke's arc, even though a lot of people disagree with that. Um, oh, I thought it was, I I thought it was great. Ray was, I thought it was great. I like Ray still, but uh-huh. I was disappointed in her heritage reveal because I didn't think it had a payoff. Oh, that's and that's the movie bullshit. itself. That's not you. You know damn well that he was screwing with her. That's oh, know, not going to happen. That's not the real reason. Yeah, yeah, there's and no way. I have to say the movie had too many endings. But I love Luke's final showdown. That was amazing. That was hilarious. When he stands there and he just kind of flicks off the dirt off of his thing and is like, "What? What you got?" That was so great. You didn't enjoy that immensely. Yes, that was good. And a lot of people hate, but then a lot of people hated the way he left at the end. And it's like, do you really think Luke's dead, people? I mean, honestly, do you really freaking think he's dead, or do you think he finally understood? If you, if you're a Return of the Jedi fan, Yoda talks about exactly what Luke is going to do at the end of this movie, if you watch Return of the Jedi, in the scene where Yoda dies and goes away, Luke does the same freaking thing because he finally kind of understands when he sees Yoda in this movie and talks with him, he finally understands what the Jedi is supposed to be. I would agree with you, and I thought that was some of the best stuff in the film was there. Yeah. Talk. Which, was which, nice. which was really well enough to kind of go forward because when you look at all the Star Wars movies and microcosms and like their little scenes, there's, you know, like you, because you mentioned like there was, you know, I saw some people say, well, the fence storyline was stupid and it made no sense. No, you know what? It made a lot of sense because he was trying to do something, you know, turn off. You know, he was trying to turn off the shield or whatnot. Well, guess what? He actually failed. It didn't work. And don't tell me that you weren't surprised that it didn't work. Because you know you thought that it was going to be all smooth and it was going to be at the ending and he was going to turn it off and it was going to save the day and they were going to – and all of a sudden it no. didn't go that way. No, because this is Empire. It's the middle of the trilogy, and everything failed in the middle film as well of the original but, but, trilogy. But, but, but the way it happened was – you know, with the droid kind of calling him out. And then, hey, I had no idea that Benicio Del Toro was going to be in that movie. And I, first of all, I was waiting for him to crack a Heineken, but he didn't. And then second, I thought just the way 
at the, uh, you know, how he just kind of just was like, fuck you, I'm in it for myself. I'm in it for the money. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that was just like a perfect, like, wow, he just screwed the shit out of them, didn't he? Yeah, and I and actually I kind of liked that aspect of it. But um, when when you build up something, and then you finally have the confrontation, and the payoff isn't there, that is to me disappointing. And I but think I don't of, think it's done in, yet. In Phasma, I think we got to wait to see if the third movie, if the next movie, kind of does because, like I said, the Snoke thing that was that was that was kind of disheartening. Unless they maybe do something with it later, it was almost like, what was the point of him then if that's the way you're going to treat him? That what I didn't understand. What was the point of him if that's the way you treated him? Because then it was like, I, I didn't get that. But you mentioned that there were plot holes that were gone. What plot holes besides that one did you feel was wrong? And besides Ray's uh, lineage kind of giving out? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a good one with Ray. Um, okay. How'd she get on the Millennium Falcon at the end of the film? Uh, she's battling you know, Kylo Ren, and then all that chaos happens, and then all of a sudden the next time you see her, she's on the Millennium Falcon. Like, what? How did that happen? Hold on, I'm trying That's to one. remember how... I don't remember. I don't remember that scene, to tell you the truth. Yeah, because she ends up, she ends up saving the rebels, the you know the three that are left at the end. <laughs> yeah, the three. Yeah. Um, so th- that's just one example, but um, yeah, it. I, I mean, I still I was entertained when I watched it, and I'm eagerly waiting to see what they do next, and I'm looking forward to Solo as well. And seeing what time it is, let me plug this. Um, For folks in the Seattle area, we are going to be uh, at Emerald City Comic Con this year. I'm going to be moderating a panel on both Star Wars and a panel on Star Trek as well. And for our Star Wars panel, we have two authors. And uh, we also have someone from Industrial Light and Magic who works on the Star Wars films is going to be on our panel cool. and can't wait. So if you're in the Seattle area, definitely check out Emerald City Comic Con. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Um so yeah, I okay. So when you put it in the rank of, My daughter's of the other, the you know, and take if you take out Rogue One because I don't count Rogue One just because it's it's not really it's it's not part of this this storyline part. It was just part of one little thing. So if you just put the 8 where would you rank this in the eight? One oh, that's being a good Empire, question. Um, one being Empire and eight being Return of the Jedi. Where would you put this one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one definitely being Empire. Um, I'd put it like somewhere in the middle, like four maybe. Okay, so you would probably put it ahead of Phantom, Clones, and Sith? Oh, who you know, uh, watching paint dry would go ahead of those. Oh Jesus! Here we go again. Uh, I, you know what? I I would put this one because I, you know, I still like Empire. Empire and Star Wars are still one and two for me. Um, I like those. I think number three is I think Revenge of the Sith is number three. Um, again for me. No. Um, Sorry. I know that's the only part of the movie though. Come on, and every movie's got cheesy parts in it, but that's the only that cheesy part. That was, that was pretty oh. cheesy, but that was like the only cheesy part. It's still, but the, I'd rather hear Vader yell no than see Leia fly through fucking space. Just telling you that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wow. Um, I don't, I think I would probably put it around five. I think I would put it ahead of Phantom. Right. I, you know what? I have it probably equal with about in my mind. Again, people don't like Phantom just because of Jar Jar Binks. But if you take him out, if you just take out Jar Jar in general, Phantom was an extremely good movie. I mean, it was it was a solid. It was, I thought it was a solid way to start off. You know, to kind of understand the Sith because we had never really seen the Sith. We didn't really understand what the Sith were. You know, Liam Neeson was good. We got to find out a little bit about Obi Wan, kind of how he started to want to introduce Anakin and how he screwed that up and the whole thing. And I thought that was really cool. I thought that so. I thought that was a good start. 
It was too much of a science lesson. Too much what? Metachlorians and all that stuff. Well, yeah, but they had to try to explain it somehow, I guess, in the blood. You know, maybe they could have done it a different way. But you know what? The thing is, and the the way that I kind of view the movie is, well, you know what? Maybe that's, if that's the way that it happens, maybe I find it weird, but maybe that's just the way it happens. Okay, so I'll just accept it and move on. And not really worry and say, okay, so there's monochlorians, got it, boom, okay, big deal, move on. Because I don't think that that took away from the story at all. It was just like, oh, okay, so it's monochlorians, okay, well, that's fine. You know, I didn't need, I guess I didn't need to have some major revelation about how a Jedi becomes a Jedi. I guess that didn't make a difference to me, so I guess that's why I passed it over. The The three prequels to me are stories that have really cool scenes in them, but overall don't work as a story as a whole. So like, oh, that Yoda fight with Christopher Lee, that's awesome. You oh, know, yeah. Um, yeah, but but I couldn't say I liked the movie. So if I watched it again, what would I do? I'd fast forward and watch the parts I like. Really? You wouldn't sit and watch clones all the way? Oh, hell no. Huh. Because I know there was a lot of love in there. And I think some people didn't care for, um, I guess, the wimpiness of Vader maybe at times. But, you know, he was still a young kid. Yeah, who, um, well, I won't get into that. Anyway, <laughs> yes, so it, it, I'd, I'd be curious if uh, if people want to uh, send their opinions about the new Star Wars movie to us. I uh, would love to have yeah, a dialogue. You know, do That'd be it fun. And certainly um, at Emerald City in March, please uh, come by and talk to me about it, too. Yeah, that'd be good. So, all right, um, we're going to be back in two weeks. Who do I have scheduled in two weeks? I have somebody scheduled, don't I? I think you have somebody scheduled later. I don't think we have anybody scheduled that I know of. Oh, yeah, no. um, We got Steve Barry coming up. In two weeks? No. I'm going to tell you the date right now. (laughs) I think it's March. He's coming in March, I thought. Yes. He's coming in March. So, yes, we're um, looking forward to having Steve on. That'll be great. Yeah, we got Steve coming on. Where's the March so we'll have another great author on in two weeks. talking about his latest book. Yeah, so um, I've talked, you know, we, we both know Steve. I've talked to Steve several times on the show. When, uh, first time he's going to be on our show, which is going to be good. We'll have yes. Steve on. Uh, he's a great interview, and he's going to give you a lot of great insight on, you know, what he's writing. He's always he, – he's, he's one of those authors that when you ask him about your book – he knows it down to the detail and can tell you about it, and it's and it's really really good um, when he when he explains that stuff. And so that's what, he's a just a great interview. So it'd be good to have him on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And we'll find a guest for two weeks from now. We'll, we'll put our oh, of course, it'll be someone awesome, guaranteed. Yeah, it'll be someone good. But hey, great way to kick off 2018, um, and I think that 2018 is going to be good. We're going to be taking. Um, February is going to be a lighter month because I'll be out of town. So we're only going to, I think, have one show in February. I think it's the uh, – what are we, we have one show in February at the beginning, and then we'll be off until March, and then we'll be back. Okay. So – and then, uh, yeah, because I'll be in Thailand, and I can't do the show from there. Um, well, I mean, I guess I could, but Shannon's not going to want me to do the show from there as we're looking at Anchor Watt. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, – yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be handling all that, and we'll be doing all that in two weeks uh, from now. And then until then, hey, it's always a pleasure, Jeff. Uh, you gotta, you know, hopefully we find out some information the next coming months too when your uh, um, Galileo book comes out, because I know that you know I'm chomping at the bit. I want to start knowing when that starts coming out, so we can start, you know, talking a little bit about that when that release. Date oh, I'm looking forward out. to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we gotta look out for that one. So. All right, my man. Until next time, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you Happy guys all Happy New Year, later. everybody. Happy New Year, and guess what? Just because it's 2018, you got to keep reading more. So big thanks to like Rebecca you. Drake and her latest book, Just Between Us. Make sure you get that one and go to RebeccaDrake.com for more information. Perfect. And what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, I was out. just going to say it's it perfect. Out. Happy New Year. I love it. There we go. So until next time, see you all. Enjoy. Bye-bye.